Kaylee, did you know that a Google search for Ryan Gosling yields just under 61 million results? I did not. But with a bit of quick math, I think that roughly equals about one and a half result per Canadian citizen. With that many results, there must be some malware-filled sites hiding in the bunch, right? <laughs> well, I, the McAfee 2023 hacker celebrity hot list has hit, and <laughs> it's Ryan Gosling up and down, right? So he yeah. tops the hacker celebrity hot list. So that means his his uh, his name is used most by cyber criminals when creating online scams. I just I love this. Yeah. Right? Like it's, we're <laughs> <laughs> My first question is how how is this not just as popular as, you know, the person hottest person of the year? Is that people? <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure this is a scam. I'm pretty sure it's not Ryan Gosling reaching out to me. But if there's a 1% but, chance, yeah, it's just I will So you're I saying would, there's a yeah. chance. <laughs> Sorry, Charlize Theron. You know, there's a 20% chance, but with Ryan Gosling, people are willing to take a lot of chances. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I just, I love the idea that there's somewhere where Ryan Gosling learned about this. <laughs> I just wonder what his reaction would be when he learns that he's the number one name used by, right. who knows, right? I mean, he has to be used to being the top of lists like hottest and most popular, et cetera. But I doubt he ever thought he would be the top of this particular kind of list. So I would think he'd noticed at least. They've been doing this, McAfee's been doing this for like 15 years now, and it always gets a great like People Magazine style bump when it comes out. But I mean, part of the wrapper on this was McAfee saying that the numbers have gotten higher for everyone mm -hmm. because the, the cyber criminals are using AI uh, and that lets them do more once they've decided that that it's going to be Ryan Gosling this year. That lets them kind of go out then and, and, and unleash, without being the limits of having humans having to do it, all sorts of scams and frauds using this stuff. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> they they said they've discovered 25 to 135 deep fake links per, per celebrity search. So, oh, I, I mean, this is something that people in the industry have been warning about as AI has risen in popularity and has grown so much, uh, especially with deep fakes. I'm personally quite nervous about the year to come with the U.S. election cycle. Um, it, it's more important than ever before. I feel like that's in itself is a beaten horse of a phrase, but it's more important than ever before to be more aware of the scams out there. You've got to keep your eyes open and pay attention to details and particularly question anything that's too good to be true. I mean, again, is Ryan Gosling really trying to reach out? Mm, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but again, 1% chance. 1% chance. You never was, know. Like in the old days, 12, 15 years ago, even when it was email and we weren't really even texting each other that much, you know, you would get an email from Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Hey, this is Barack Obama here. I don't reach out a lot, but can you donate $50 <laughs> to whatever, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. you knew it wasn't Barack Obama. You knew it was just a message. Maybe he had approved it, but you're pretty sure it came from the DNC or some real entity, right? Yeah. And then as the years went on, you would be on the lookout for scams. 
But it was, you know, we, you knew it wasn't Barack Obama, but, but it was still cool that his name was on it, right? But yeah. now it's like there will be a phone call that will be an AI bot that will sound just like Barack Obama, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. whose name, you know, we've all heard his voice a lot of times and it will be interactive and it will ask you to make a donation. And you're, again, you're pretty sure it's not Barack Obama, but if it happens quickly while you're holding your mobile phone and you're carrying a load of groceries and you move mm-hmm. in, wait, who, what, wait, what do you need? You yeah. know, and, but, but you could really, it just gets a lot scarier. And someone like Ryan Gosling and, and another actor who has hours and hours of their own voices, their voice mm-hmm. out there is exactly this sort of somebody. I mean, Kaylee, you do this for a living, right? You're creating training to, to get people ready for this. Yes. How, how do companies stand a chance? How do they, they combat this? It really comes down to training each individual person to be on the lookout for the red flags, the warning signs, uh, to stay on top of the types of threats that are out there, um, paying attention to current events, because those are things that hackers, criminal hackers will exploit um, first, especially big news um, like uh huge celebrity deaths or um, natural disasters, anything that might get a click or um, an emotional response. Because ultimately, even as technology advances past our wildest dreams, it's still coming down to more often than not a single person who clicked a phishing link or let the wrong person in behind them. Well, it's going to be a yeah, it's going to be a rough election season for sure with this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Let alone yeah. all the stuff we do, the companies deal with deal with each and every day, and that training is going to get more and more important. Yeah, uh, and, and also knowing that hey, if they want to pause, even when they think it's their boss on the line, they're not going to get in trouble. Right. right? Oh, have the, <laughs> you should you always verify. Yeah. Always. All right. Well, everybody, I'm your host Jack Clabby. I'm a cybersecurity cybersecurity attorney at Carlton Fields. With me, as always, is Kaylee Melton, the Vice President of U.S. Remote Publishing Teams at Know Before. After a short break, we're going to chat with Jason E. Street. Jason is the Chief Adversarial Officer at Secure Yeti. Jason was once described as a world-class hacker on National Geographic's Breakthrough, but he prefers the simple title of Hacker, Helper, and Human. Welcome to No Password Required, a monthly conversation that introduces you to some of the top talent in the world of cybersecurity. Welcome back. Our guest is Jason E. Street. Jason, welcome to No Password Required. Hello. It's like, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Jason, I know, I know you have a lot going on, but just to kind of orient our audience, can you share a breakdown of what you're involved in right now professionally? Just maybe a snapshot? Uh, I don't know if I've ever been accused of doing anything professionally, but uh, (laughs) I I am the uh, chief adversarial officer for Secure Yeti. Uh, The fun way to say it is I rob banks for a living. Uh, (laughs) It's like because I've actually robbed banks. Uh, and then, But I do it from a security awareness, situational awareness kind of standpoint. My goal is not to go in and show everybody where there's failings, where they have vulnerabilities. They've got a plenty of companies, plenty of pen testing. Like We offer that kind of uh, service if you would like. What I do is all keyed on education and empowering users and making them more uh, situationally aware 
everywhere they go, including the workplace, and in, and creating that kind of safe environment for them at work by showing them exactly how a bad person would operate. I don't try to like audit. I try to like rob you. And I, I show them those kind of techniques. What, what are the kind of clients that you're working with? Like who, who uh, would, um, use, would use the company? I, I've, uh, I personally, I've robbed uh, banks, uh, financial institutions, research facilities, hotels on five different continents. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's like I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm real fun at parties, just wherever I go. It's like so. Uh, <laughs> it's like, and and I don't think I even have any. Well, okay, I may still have a warrant in a couple of countries, but, but other mostly, I'm pretty like uh, just open and I and I travel a lot. So. How many warrants have you had in your life? <laughs> How many warrants? Oh, my Stone gosh. curiosity. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know many. I've had a lot of sore feelings. It's like uh, when they couldn't <laughs> find out, when they found out they couldn't shoot me or arrest me, that was always awkward for them. Uh, I remember one thing, though, because I have this funny thing that I always say. It's like whenever I see the police cars roll by. It's like, and it's just a habit because it was started off as a joke when I was way younger. It's like, oh, Popo, I got warrants. I did that, and it's like it's an instinct now. Whenever I see a cop car, no matter where I'm at, what country, I made the misfortune of doing that in Doha, Qatar once, and the guy, the oh, driver, was literally just like, "I got to pull over." Like, no, I said, no, no, no. It's like, it's like it was just a joke. It's just, it's just it, I didn't mean to say it out loud. It's like it's, it, it was just a an American saying, and so I just maligned all Americans just right there and then. But you know. It's like we can handle it. It's like it's not the worst. It's like so. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. But it's like I don't think I have any like actual warrant warrants. Probably it's like I, I know there's a couple of countries where I'm not going to be visiting anytime soon again. Uh, so uh, but other than that, it's like it's fine. I want to kind of understand how you got to here. Right. What were you what were you like as a kid? Uh, oh, that. Wow. That was like you went dark without even realizing <laughs> Um, it's like that's a great way to better than starting doing that at the end I guess it's like bringing everybody down Uh, it's like um, I started off uh, with the I core my core belief is hacking is is there is no magical hacking hacking has nothing to do with computers every person on this planet was born a hacker go around a three-year-old what is their what what is their attitude? What is it to do that? Who does that? Why can't I do it this way? We'll look at that beautiful castle in the sky. Why can't we climb up to it? It's always about imagination, innovation, and it's like and thinking things through and doing something in a way that not that's what everybody tells you the way to do it, but why can't we try something else? And then if it fails, try to do something different and keep going. Uh, and the people who, you know, survived the institutionalization educational system and their peer uh, uh, groups and their their families, and they survive all that into their 20s, they're hackers. It's like they become hacking. It's like hacking used to be with microscopes. Hacking used to be with parchment and telescopes. It's like that has always been hacking. Ada Lovelace, one of the first hackers, it's like that was like computer-related hackers. She was doing programming and stuff before computers were invented. It's like, so Leonardo da Vinci, Uber hacker. So, um, so that's what hacking's about. So it's like, and also, uh, so I've always been a hacker, but um, I also am very, um, 
uh, we'll just say the, I guess the nice way is neurodivergent. It's like, uh, it's like I'm on the spectrum. I'm masking very good right now. That's why I'm so good at social engineering because my whole life has been putting on masks that I thought other people would, you know, be happy with. Uh, when I was younger, it was so I would not be hurt. It's like, and it's like, and, and now it's because it's like, you know, I want to rob them. Uh, so, and I also need to interact with normal people, which terrify me. Uh, so it's like, so I do that, but I, uh, yeah, so I started off, um, not the greatest. Uh, I survived my first murder attempt when I was 10, which was awesome. It's, it's gone, you know, uphill from there. Uh, and then I went and did the, uh, I, I uh, dropped out of high school. It's like uh, it, with no choice, but it's like I had to drop out of high school. So I was homeless for a little bit, had a great dumpster. I used to live behind. Uh, I was a janitor at McDonald's. And I want, and this is on my, my site because I'm extremely proud. And this is one of the things that I think people don't get, they don't understand is like you got to be proud of everything that you do and if you can't take pride in everything that you do then why bother it's on my site for two years in a row we were the cleanest we got rewarded for the cleanest uh restaurant for two years in a row the southeast texas region because i was an effing great janitor it's like it wasn't what i wanted to do for the rest of my life but if you're going to do something do it right and so i did that and uh and then i got into um uh, security, physical security. It's like, I didn't start, you know, on the dark side and breaking into places and went good. I, the way I was raised to be a monster and instead I got broken in such a, I think a beautiful way where it's like, I wanted the bad guys to pay. I wanted to make sure other people didn't get hurt that way. So I went okay. into the security side of it. I went trying to actually do, <laughs> uh, the protect and serve thing. Uh, and I did that and I worked with a supplemental officer in law enforcement, which, you know, helped me disabuse me of the illusion of the protect and serve part. Uh, and then I got into um, computers, doing IT support, doing uh, tech support. And in 2000, it's like I was introduced to computer security. And I was like, hold on. I can do, I know 2000, I'm old. Okay. So, but in, uh, in 2000, I was told about this. It's like computer security. And I was like, wait, hold on. I can do computers and I can do security and no one shoots at me. Well, sign me up. Mother I'm here. And it's like, uh, and so I've been doing that. And then in 2010, I started doing, I, I did all the defensive side. I started on the blue team. I think blue team is important and integral for every person in information security should start out on blue team should understanding what the blue team the which is the defensive side is all about and then i decided in 2010 it's like to start testing security testing the stuff that i built making sure because i've always did my defenses like i thought you know as i did my physical security because i always thought like a hacker like if I was going to rob this yeah. place, what would I do? How would I implement? And I literally put people in jail. It's like because uh, the bank that I work for, FDIC insured mother, it's like you should not have actually tried that weak, you know, uh, script and phishing attack on our site. It wasn't going to be your day. And so um, because it's like I thought someone would do that. And that's the reason why we put that in place. It's like caught you. It's like so I would do those things. So I started to start testing it. And then I started doing wow. social engineering, physical security assessments on our branches and our banks. And that's when I found out I was really good at robbing banks. And then I started progressing <laughs> and growing. And, and then I got into red teaming. And red teaming was like, I, I didn't really, 
Uh, I mean, besides the toxic masculinity in that in that culture, it's like I just didn't really like the whole aspect of just like breaking the stuff and then writing a report and having the people like have to learn, you know, three months later in a memo. So I started teaching people then and there. Two minutes after I left the building, I would come back and educate the people on the spot. I created a whole different service that was never in the industry before. It's like security <laughs> awareness engagements where it's like I do all the red team tactics, but education is always a part of the, of the thing. It's never just reporting. It's never about finding the vulnerabilities. It's never about reporting the vulnerabilities. It's about educating them on the spot. And uh, and it's so funny because, you know, after 20 years, I, it's a vicious circle because now I'm back into breaking into places and possibly getting shot at in certain countries. So it's just a vicious circle, but it's still fun. And, and I really enjoy what I do. Jason, what was it like? Do you, do you remember your first pen test when you first kind of started on that red team? And yes. What was oh it like? How did, how did you feel? Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about. Uh, my first test that I did like for like a client, uh, it was a crap show. Uh, I was not good at it. Um, uh, it's like, it was, it was mostly network based. And so it's like, I ran, uh, I was literally a script kid. I was a script kitty when script kitties were cool because I literally had to alter scripts and stuff, you know, but I never made the tools. It's like, but I, I could like actually alter the scripts on it. Uh, and so, um, I did those things and it's like, it was, it was okay. It's like, but I, I screwed up. I took down one of the routers. It's like with an MMAP scan, which was like, oops, my bad. It's like, you know, that wasn't the best I did. Um, I still gave them some good findings and I still made, but the whole thing was I got domain admin sort of, and it wasn't because of like my elite hacking skills on, on the computer. It was, I when I got in, it's like I found in their IT support area a post-it note on a machine they're working on with just the word sunshine. And I was like, I bet. And that no was the, that was the local login oh for all their machines, including their server. Oh, so, yeah. So I was wow. a ray of sunshine on that engagement because it's like I was like, <laughs> awesome. uh, it's like so I, I told him like sort I don't have like domain admin, but. I got your whole domain. <laughs> it's like, so it's got to count for something. That's awesome. Um, so That's awesome. Um, my first physical was, uh, was actually before I even knew what that stuff was, it was in uh, doing uh, when I worked at an actual online bank back in 2000 and uh, they were doing construction. And so I was like, well, we need to, uh, because I came from a security background. It's like physical. It's like, I want to check the, the parameters and so um, I, I would I did some physical stuff on that. And then I started doing um, physical um, at my um, uh, main job. It's like I mean, main career that started everything back in 2003. I started working for this bank and it's like and I started doing some work for them and I started testing and doing physical and I started doing some branches. And that's when it really took off. How how anxiety inducing is it to be on those on site pen testing jobs? Oh. I, I feel like it would wreck me. <laughs> well, it does every time. I have very low self esteem, and it's like I, I serve from RSD, and it's like and it's just like you know, it's like I no self esteem. It's just like imposter syndrome. It's like I don't think I'm good enough for imposter syndrome yet, but I'm trying to get there. And, and it's like, but it's like I mean, every time I get on an engagement. 
it's like the whole thing is the first 15 minutes before it's go time, it's, oh, how if I don't get in? I'm not going to be able to prove that they're going to think I'm a fraud. It's like, this is where, wherever it falls down, the client's going to be so disappointed at me. It's like, I have to rob them. Or it's like, it's like, why did we hire you for? And it's like, well, it's supposed to be for educational. It's like, and and it's like every engagement I get called anyway. It's like usually on the third day when I try to make myself get caught, but what if they just catch me and they just keep catching me. And then I just don't, and I don't provide any value. It's like, I just go, all these things go through my head. Cause it's like, I deal with so much anxiety on that kind of stuff. And I'm constantly, um, no matter everybody sees Jason E. Street, it's like, but I'm the one that's stuck with Jason. It's like, who is knows where I came from, who knows how pathetic I am, who knows all the, the horribleness about it. And like, and it's just got this, you know, I, I'm fooling them. Keep fooling them. Keep dancing. They're believing it, you know? And it's like, so it's like, I deal with that. And then... I get to the door and then my mask comes on. It's like, I realize I have to perform. It's like, and and then I got to do it. It's like, I'm animated now. I'm happy now. I just received some horrible information, uh, some horrible stuff just happened like right before this call. And I was like, it was bad. And I was like, but it doesn't matter. It's like, I was able to like shut that, put on the mask. And it's like, and able to do this. It's like, it's just, I mean, it's one of my autistic superpowers. It's like is masking. So it's like, and for a lot of times, I didn't understand what it was, and so I had a lot of self hatred on that because I thought, oh, I'm a fraud, and people like that. So that means I must be horrible. Until I realized what masking was and how it was a defensive thing, not a better than thing. So it's like, so I was able, I'm able to transition better and and, and mask better that way. I can totally relate. I'm also on the spectrum and was diagnosed only a handful of years ago. And finding that out made so much make sense. And I yeah. I don't know. It was like permission to be, to, to kind of accept myself and all these, you know, masks and anxious thoughts and having to think about conversations from 11 billion different ways <laughs> before you even talk to someone. Um, it just kind of made it okay. <laughs> exactly. I didn't get diagnosed till 2021, which is, I mean, you got to hand it for this apocalypse that we're in. It's like, I mean, it is a total dumpster fire crap show, but I mean, besides bread making, there's been some, you know, <laughs> nice things out of it, you know, so you got that going totally. for us. <laughs> totally. Did you, Jason, were you alone on this journey? Did you have mentors or people who helped you? Is there anybody who, who kind of guided you through this? I tell you, it's like uh, I've had people that, that were there. It's like people who've helped me. It's like it's a whole community that's helped me. It's like I've been very open. Uh, when I was growing up, it was nothing. I was just bad and a horrible person. It's like and a horrible child. Uh, it's like or so that's how I was uh, taught. And because I, no one knew what it was, it's like it was like 70s. It's like, you know, you thought disco was bad. You should have tried mental health back then. <laughs> It's like, and then, um, and so no one knew about any of that stuff. So it's like, it was just unknown. And so that's the reason why I try to be so vocal and open about it because I want people to know they're not the only ones. They're not the only ones that go through this stuff. There's other people out there because I didn't know other people went through stuff like that. And, uh, one of the things that helped me the most, it's like one of the things that really got me going was, believe it or not, was this, uh, rapper, 
uh, named NF, uh, the letter N, the letter F. And this guy, he's a Christian rapper, but it, well, he's not even really a Christian rapper. He's a Christian who's a rapper. It's like, and so the songs are very just like motivational. It's like, it's like you start, he had, was heavily influenced by Eminem. He owns that. But besides that, uh, I've always loved rap music. It's like, just cause I like I poetry. And it's like, I thought back in the day, I used to work at a rap club in Houston uh, back in the uh, the nineties. It's like, so it's like, I met, you know, uh, Ice Cube, uh, NW. I, I met a lot of weird uh, rappers and stuff. But it was so negative. It's like there's there it was poetry. I always thought it was poetry. So I like uh, the cursor reference because it's just more positive and you don't have to hear all the cuss words. So that makes them their lyrics actually more entertaining because they actually have to like, yeah. you know, find other words that rhyme with, you know, puck. It's like, you know, it's like it's like so it's like there's, there's, there's a lot more uh, creativity in, in their lyric making. Uh, so um, uh, so he had this song called uh, Just Like You. Uh, and I heard about that in 2021 and it was just so game changing because so many of his songs I relate to and it's like in his dark, it talks about his journey and he's open about it and he shared it. And the just like you was one about things can get better. It's like, you know, it's like before I go, it's like, you got to understand it's like, there's millions of us just like you. And it's like, and it just, and it just showed, and it was like, and that helped me on my journey of like, okay, I need to go. So I going to therapy, got diagnosed, got on medication, uh, and, and started getting, uh, like Kelly said, it was like, I got that permission to like, okay, this is what's going on. And literally for the first time in my life, without even realizing I had it, this core of self-hatred that I, I always carried around, no matter how much I smiled, no matter how much, you know, I was enjoying everything and it looked great on social media. It was just this core self-hatred that I had. And it finally in 2021, it was gone because I realized what that was. And it's like, and why there's these different variations of Jason. Yeah. Man, that, see, you started off, Jack, with that quote. I told you it was going to go to like... Okay, now we got all that stuff out of the way. We can get to like the, 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 the easy stuff now. I don't filter. I lie for a living. I don't do it for free. So I do not filter. If you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. It's like there's no post edits. There's no nothing. It's like I stand by everything I say. Well, I want to ask you about that last comment too about, about how you lie for a living. Does that yes. – with your insight into people and your experience – do, do you think you have a, an enhanced ability to detect when others are lying to you? Oh, a hundred percent. That is the worst okay. part about it. Um, <laughs> it's like there, there is nothing more heartbreaking. It's like, I mean, and it's, and I mean, it's just like, like, cause you see so many people and they don't, people have to lie to be socially acceptable. It's like, I'm around people all the time who will, um, like at conferences or other places, who will get bored with what I'm talking about who, or, or like upset with me or not like me. But socially, they have to be acceptable. And it's like, but, and they'll say nice things and yeah. they'll, they'll do nice things. And I can see, and it's like, oh, okay. And you have to play along with that. It's like, because it's like, but, um, the whole my whole basis i don't know about i've not read books on social engineering it's like i i don't i teach classes on it but i teach it on how i do it because i go after human nature 
that is why I'm so successful at robbing people in every other country that I've been to. And it's not because I've mastered all the different cultures. It's just because people want to, one of the biggest myths society has tried to sell us is this whole myth of different. Like people are different in different countries or different parts. They're not. It's human nature. That's what I rob. That's who I'm going after is the human nature. So I can detect, and I'm just very good. My life depended on it. It was just detecting if people were mad or angry or what made them happy. Seeing if someone was suspicious of me, seeing if someone didn't think I, I belonged in the area, being able to read those things, but then also having conversations with people and and like your friends and like and people who say they're your friends, and you're like, like there's this one, there's one guy I meet at the conferences all the time. He totally detests me. And we still smile <laughs> at each other every time. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Like, oh, pretty good. How are you doing? You know what I'm doing? It's like, yeah, I know. And it's like, and I, I'm literally, I'm genuinely smiling because I know it's so fake and idiotic. But it's like, I let him keep up the myth that he's got me fooled because he's a smart mother, you know? And it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's hilarious. That, that sounds like that's the hard part, though, is like, is, is, you know it, but then do you tell them you know it or do you keep it, it strategically to yourself? Yeah, that's I've a hard, tried, that's a tough skill to have. Yeah, I've tried telling people it's like I, I don't do good with emotions. It's like people are always try to be so emotional about stuff and it's like it's all tied into that stuff. And I'm very logic based, so it's so annoying. Um, it's like uh, when people try to uh, – and the worst is when people want me to like – they come to me not for kind of a solution, but, you know, to like vent or try to do something emotional. And I'm like, OK, that's no, I, I can I can give you the logical reasons why this could help or I can. But this whole and it, yeah. you're, you're looking for something that I don't have to offer my bad. You know, it's like and um, but you it, it, it gets frustrating to a point at Las Vegas when I go to DEF CON and Black Hat you will most likely always see me when I'm not in character. Um, it's like, that means when I'm getting off the plane, usually I'm mostly in character at, at DEF CON, but like in Vegas, when I'm not, I have my headphones on and I'm looking at the carpet because there is nothing more depressing and just soul destroying than walking through the airport or the casino and just glancing at other people. They're not even looking at you. They don't acknowledge you. You see the hopelessness on their face. You see that that uh. false. You see themselves understanding that they're lying to themselves in that desperation that this is going to be the time when I pull it's going to win. And just the, oh, the hopelessness and the frustration. It's like all those different things are. Yeah, it is not a good time yeah, in Vegas. Okay. It's like it's like that's why I mostly <laughs> stay around the conference. Okay. Are there any places that are filled with honest hope that you've encountered? Like the um, opposite of that? There really? are. I've gone to some. Um, Kazakhstan was a beautiful country where it's like there were so many people that were just so genuinely nice. Um, also, oh, wow, okay. if you go into uh, a lot of places in the Middle East, it's like uh, it's like I've been from uh, Beirut, Tel Aviv, uh, Jerusalem, Doha, uh, Riyadh, uh, Dubai. It's like there is a Bedouin culture that people don't understand that is throughout 
because um, there used to not be nations. That wasn't until the 1912s when, you know, Britain and America and France decided to yeah. do what was best and divide everything, which turned out great so far. Uh, it's like, but it used to be no nomads, uh, a Bedouin society. And Bedouin culture says that if I would have walked up to any one of uh, those people's doors, the way I am, the way I'm dressed, it's like, and knock on the door and say that I needed a place to stay and food, they wouldn't only have to shelter me. They couldn't ask why I chose them until wow. three days after I was already there. They would give me shelter for wow. three days. Then they would broach the, pro uh, by the way, why did you come in? Because that was the culture. That's why it's so easy to rob in South and the Middle East. It's like, because it's just an open and inviting, very hospitable culture. Uh, and people don't realize, really see that. It's like, but um, going, walking on the, along the beach in Tel Aviv, it's like you, you, you walk um, on the beaches uh, in Beirut. It's like people are just genuinely nice and open. And it's like, and we, we, we don't usually see that side of everything going on. It's like, so, um, and also I, uh, Singapore, I think is the same way, uh, where it's like, they actually live what we try to preach. It is such a diverse country where you'll see a mosque, a Hindu temple and a Buddhist temple on the same street. It's like right, and then uh, about three blocks down is an Armenian uh, Catholic cathedral. It's like, so um, it's just so, and there's people from all over the world, everybody different shades, different hues, different, and we're, everybody is just so open. It's like, everybody is just so nice there. And it's like, the, I call it the Canada of Southeast Asia. It's like, it's like, if you ever, <laughs> if you ever want to go to Asia, but you're afraid of going into Asia, Start with Singapore because it's literally like going to Canada, except for, you know, <laughs> better architecture and the food is way more different. And they actually do bacon right besides <laughs> that whatever disgusting stuff they call it in Canada. Sorry, Canada, but, you know, not sorry. Uh, or the story <laughs> about, about that, whatever. It's like, sorry. <laughs> I'm making friends wherever I go. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They can, Canada can take it. I yeah. They've got it pretty well set up. They well, probably apologize to bring it back for saying that. It's like <laughs> <laughs> right. To bring it back to the U.S. So I, I I understand that you once hacked into the U.S. Department of Treasury. What, Jason? What's the story with that? Hey, that's a little exaggerated. <laughs> okay, okay. I robbed a state treasury. Okay, that's still it pretty. Was, good. It was only a treasury for one state. Okay, and. Um, <laughs> okay. The and so it, it wasn't that big of a deal. It's like, um, <laughs> it's like, um, it's like, so, uh, no, I was just people like to think, um, uh, they, they, we have a problem with human nature, it's like where we think immediate, like our immediate local space, and we think in a, a, um, a, I, forgot, I don't have to say like a logistical sense where it's like, oh. This is our building. Our building is secure. And I'm like, you're right. This building is totally secure. I could, I probably couldn't rob this place. You've got an office 50 miles from here, right? And they're like, yeah. yeah. And that's got a direct, unfiltered line into your network, right? Yeah. It's right the then oh, why would man. I rob this big, scary building? I'm going to go rob the, the office building. 
that you're renting a space in. And they were like, and when they realized what was going on, they put all these caveats. It was so hilarious because <laughs> you have to stay on scope. And a yeah. client knows that they, they always try to believe that they can win by going scope. It's like, you know, it's like narrowing the scope so they win, and which doesn't help them and it doesn't do them any good. Um, and so my scope on that a, a, attack, because the whole reason why I was there, I was subcontracted by another company who had already gotten in uh, the network and the IT and the security department were uh, pitching a fit because they said, um, it's not fair. It's like they had an internal box. It's like they would never be able to get an internal box in. So they hired me to show how I could break inside and get an internal box onto their network. Uh, so I told them, like, well, I'm going to go break into this other place. And they're like, okay, well, you can do that because we want you to do it. But you can only go in after 530. I'm like, okay. Uh, you can't use any of your tools to break into places. And I'm like, okay, good. I don't use tools. I, I try and, If I need to get into a door, it's usually an employee or in a security that's opening the door. I don't do lock picks. It's like I tell people, okay. your only options with me is cardboard or a crowbar. It's like because I used a cardboard to open up the motion sensors and break in. Or I've used paper airplanes once. Uh, or it's like I use a crowbar. <laughs> no one's ever given me the crowbar option, though, yet. Disappointed. And um, they say, so it's like, you've got to come in after 5.30, can't use any tools. And because we don't know who's leaving the building, they may not be one of our employees. So therefore, you can't talk to anybody leaving the building, but you got to go in. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can handle that. You can only stay in the lobby area. It's like, and you can only, uh, or to our suite, it's like in that hallway, and you can't talk to anyone inside except for the cleaning crew. And I was like, I told them what I planned on doing. I was trying to get the cleaning crew to let me in. And they're like, and you can't talk to anybody but the cleaning crew. But they're not our employees. So you can't lie to them. You have to tell them the truth. But it's like, but, you know, attack us like an attacker would. Because that's exactly, yeah, if I was a right. criminal mastermind wanting to rob a state treasury, right. that's how I would do it. So I got there <laughs> around 530. There was a representative with me. It's like he stayed in the parking lot uh, while I was doing yeah. it. And I get to the front of the building. I put out one of the best hacking devices ever for breaking into a place. It's called a, a phone. And I just put it up to my ear and I was just like, blah, 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 blah. Someone walks out the door. I'm rude. I don't even say hello hardly because, you know, I can't talk to anybody. I just I walk in with the open door. So now I'm inside. It's like uh, <laughs> I, I robbed, I robbed awesome. plenty of companies and stuff, you know, with just acting like I was on the phone. And then awesome. uh, once I get in, that was the worst part of it. I spent two hours inside that lobby. I've already explained my, you know, issues it's like adhd is definitely one of them it's like there's only so many angry birds you can flip tweets you can tweet it's like whatever for two hours i was my battery was like at two percent i was in a dire situation it's like i hear the cleaning crew uh upstairs and i'm like okay thank goodness it was close enough it's like they were in the hallways that's still a public space so i, I go up the stairs into the public hallway uh and i tell her the truth 
because I was told that I, and I've got a video recorded. I've showed a talk where I showed this video um, and it said, hi, it's like, um, I'm trying to, uh, I, I had to go to the restroom. I try, uh, which I had gone to the restaurant. I'd been there for two hours. Don't judge me. It's like, and I said, <laughs> like, I'm trying to get back into this suite. I was there the day before. I am trying to get back into it. That is the truth. Yep. It's That's like great. I told them, it's like I don't have my employee uh, key card with me. I have a legitimate employee key card. It's like I didn't I didn't mention that it wasn't for that company. It's like, but I do own one <laughs> and I did not have it with Amazing. me. Amazing. It's like, so it's Amazing. like, That's awesome. uh, so I was like, I'm working late. I was on the clock. It's like, could you let me back in? It's like, I only have to do one thing, which was destroy their network. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, and, and so I, it's, I didn't say that part. It's like, I, but I said I had to do one thing <laughs> and if they could let me in. So they walked me down, they see the door, they had to go get the keys. And as they're coming back, I'm on the phone. And as soon as they walk up, I say, Oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. You don't have to come here. They've got the keys. They're going to let me in. Thanks. It's okay. You don't have to do it because that makes it seem legit and makes them feel like, oh, I'm not doing anything wrong. Someone else was going to let them in anyway. And then they let me in. And I robbed the state treasury by telling the truth. Because that I feel like that's the perfect example of like how hackers think. (laughs) Exactly. That's all it is. It's just. (laughs) Thinking differently and using it and, and being and also just like people don't understand how much of hacking is the ability to fail spectacularly and learn from it and and perfect it and go on and, and keep doing it. It's like it's I, I tell people I am not the best social. Engineer. I am not. There are so many people more talented than I am out there and stuff. But I'll tell you one superpower that I have. I am persistent. As, you know, it's like I'm going to keep getting knocked in the dirt. And I guarantee you, I will keep getting up. And it's like, and that's how I've made it. It's just sheer spite. It's like out of all the haters and people that are telling us to fail, sometimes I just exist just to piss them off. You know, it's like they've helped me so much. I don't call them haters. They're motivators. It's like, you're like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Jason. We're going to take a short break now. Okay. Uh, We'll return with our lifestyle polygraph. So everyone stay with us. You're listening to the No Password Required podcast. We cover cybersecurity and a lot of other stuff. Welcome back. As many of you know, the lifestyle polygraph is a test used by the federal government to determine if a person is worthy of learning some of our nation's most important secrets. Here, we use this technique for slightly lower stakes to determine whether our guest can join our fantasy cybersecurity squad. Jason, are you ready for the lifestyle polygraph? Ooh, yeah. I didn't (laughs) even know this was coming. It's like... Can't even check my my hand or anything for notes. I'm ready to go. (laughs) All right. Question one. What do you most want to hack into that you haven't yet? 
I'd want to break into the Library of Congress just to see if I could steal the Declaration of Independence. It's like, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, but I mean, but that is probably the only reason. It's like uh, I would want to do it. It's like because there's a book of secrets somewhere in there. Uh, I'd like to go check out. And, <laughs> That's right. And see the UFO <laughs> records. It's like so. That's all. Would That's, you immediately contact uh, Nicholas Cage if you were successful? <laughs> oh yes. I definitely would. It's like, <laughs> and well, I mean, mostly just to dunk on him. Well, yeah, I know. I mostly just dunk on him. It's like you thought this was hard. <laughs> it's like <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I feel like you would be up for a caper like that if you got to approach him to partner up. Oh yeah, with you. I, I, Jason, I'm do you sure. ever do you ever work with partners, or is it on your own typically when um, you're doing something like this? I, I uh, usually uh, people that are way more capable uh, technically than I am uh, will join. Um, I have a, okay. uh, uh, and, and cause it's like, sometimes they want the network side of it or the Wi-Fi side. And then I'm like, you need to get the specialist for that. It's like, I like to specialize in this. Yeah. This is what I do. Uh, I remember uh, on this engagement, we robbed like uh, three or four different countries, uh, these, these financial institutions. And I was with that with my friend uh, Teton, Philippe, uh, Philippe Cadogouli. It's like, I don't say his name right, but then again, I'm American. Oh, cool. He's French. So um, it's like, but he's a great guy. He is one of the scariest, most nicest hackers you don't know about. It's like, he literally has like 100 followers, something like that, 400 followers on Twitter. It's like, this guy is amazing. Every morning, we would start off the uh, engagement. He would get stuck into an office in the building to start breaking in and trying to see what he could do. And I got to go run around the city and break into these branches and do all that stuff. By lunch, he had domain admin. Every single engagement we were on, this guy tapped fiber just to show the bank they weren't as secure as they thought they could. And when I mean tapped it, I mean he was able to intercept their packets and redirect and stuff on fiber connections between banks because just to show that it can be done. He is one of the best hackers that I have seen. He does. He's created an exploit for me. When I use a drone for a social engineering attack, we turned the drone SD card into the deployment (laughs) for the attack. It's like, so it's like, he's just amazing. He is amazing (laughs) with what he does. Uh, so it's like, so I, and, uh, as secure Yeti, we've got, uh, uh, Spicer, uh, Mike Spicer, Dark Matter, who does Wi-Fi hacking, like, you know, back and forth. He's got the Wi-Fi cactus. We've got, like, uh, Steve Fink. It's like uh, I've worked with other people like Sidef. It's like who are, like, major network pen testers who do the breaking in. And uh, it's like where we're going, we don't need Metasploit, you know? It's like uh, they're, like, really good. Uh, that's cool. That's awesome. Um. Okay, question number two. I've heard your refrigerator is beautiful in its simplicity. What are your favorite foods and why is it Pepsi? <laughs> oh, it's like, um, oh, man. Hold on. How much truth do you want? <laughs> 75%. Okay. Um, let's say I have a, uh, an eating disorder stemming hood, stemming from some childhood trauma, which only lets me eat 
stuff that a nine-year-old boy would eat. So if a nine-year-old boy eats it, it's like I will eat it. Uh, it's almost like a phobia. So it's like if I try new food, no matter how, oh my gosh, when you walk through Singapore, your mouth waters. The food smells so good and it looks great. But if I think I'm going to try to eat it or if I try to, it, it does not work well. It's like I just had this thing in the back of my head. It's like I'm going to throw up. I'm going to be sick. Uh, and I won't go into the details about it, but it's like, so I am stuck eating the same. So I'm literally, it's chicken nuggets, hamburgers, pizza, and hot dogs. Uh, I don't look at uh, food as a pleasant experience. It's stuff that I need to do so I can, I have to live and exist. Um, and Diet Pepsi uh, is just, it's for caffeine. And it's also part of a two-dimensional character of Jason E. Street. Because it's like, when you think of Jason E. Street, Diet Pepsi, Pizza Hut, Awkward Hugs, and DEF CON. It's like, name something else. I dare you. It's like, it's, it's just that dimensional creature that our caricature that, you know, that I put out there. And so, uh, but, um, the foods that I like, um, uh, sausage, I like, uh, biscuits, uh, and, uh, old country style biscuits and, uh, Mm. crispy bacon and scrambled eggs. That's actually something that I actually like. "Mm, This is good. I like this. Uh, because I'm all about texture. Yeah. It's like it's got to have a texture mm-hmm. and, and, and certain flavors and consistencies in a certain way. So, but yeah, it's like because I don't eat food based on like just the taste because mostly everything for some reason, the way my senses work, don't taste good. It's like it's got to have a good texture to it. Yeah, I can, I can relate. <laughs> I have a lot of strange eating habits yeah. um, for sure. Uh, macro. <laughs> When I was little, it was macaroni and cheese and oh, I love macaroni cubed cheese. Yep. ham. Like I, it couldn't be just regular, like just cubed ham. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. Number three, what's the best life hack you've ever discovered? Best life hack. Life hack. A life hack. Um. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best life hacks um, for just every day, like, because uh, I travel a lot, I think one of the best life hacks is to fit everything in carry on. Because when okay. planes go down and change, schedules change, it's like if you only have carry on, you can switch planes. It's like, so uh, that is a key thing. Also, if you have too much for carry on, what you do is, TSA is not going to uh, worry about it. It's like go through uh, TSA, go to one of the stores, buy a big water bottle or something, and ask for a big bag. You put the excess stuff into the big bag, yeah. and because it's from the duty-free shop or something, you bought stuff at the airport, most airlines will let you uh, go ahead and bring it on the plane. So I've literally stuck mm-hmm. stuff and just like stuck it into the into the bag, and, and was able to get away with it. It's like it's like from that, um, from a hacking uh, hack. It's like one of the best things to do is um, I would say. Uh, oh, sh- that was a little too harsh. Hold on, uh, I'll say be a white guy. That helps a lot, unfortunately, in our society. <laughs> oh, no. uh, but um, you're not supposed to say that out loud. Um, but dressing in a suit and tie. Um, it's like, and having a clipboard will get you a lot of places that you shouldn't necessarily be in, no matter what venues I was in South Africa 
in Cape Town and giving a talk. And I explained to people and it's like, um, and I told people, it's like, I would not even, I had like, I have badge cloners and things like Proxmark and all those kind of cards. It's like, I've never cloned a badge. It's like, I would have a, a copy of a badge or something that looks like a badge. And I would just go up to the reader and with, and I'll be in a suit and I'm like all just like walking in, you know, like I'm sure my, what I'm going to do. And the thing would not look. And I would look at security like, hello, <laughs> white guy in suit. I'm trying to get in. It's like, and then the crowd, everybody was just like looking at me. And I was just like, hey, the only reason why you should have white male privilege is to be able to get on stage and tell how bad it is. It's like, that is the only yeah. reason you should be using it. It's like no other reason. And they just like, it was a, it was a mixed reaction in that crowd in, in, in Cape Town, but no regrets. I say what I say. <laughs> the clipboard too uh, is the universal symbol of I'm too busy. I, I'm too busy. I, come on. I have a clipboard. I'm checking things off on the clipboard. Oh, I think Who's I have my, Oh, I got, I actually have one of the Epic clipboards. I'll get to see me in my pajamas. <laughs> this is the clipboard of doom. A storage clipboard? That's oh. <laughs> Bash Bunny already in there. But wow. the most, one of the scariest tools that I own right there. <laughs> Envelopes and a red marker. You go into an engagement. You see a person not at their desk. Not in their office. You write their name on the envelope. Put the drive in. Seal it. And just leave it on their desk. Who's not opening oh. that and plugging it in? One oh, of the scariest man. hacking oh. tools known to humankind. Right there. Blank envelopes <laughs> and markers. Always bring them. Wow. And then I also have... Wow. Um, this false bottom here where I put like Wi-Fi pineapples. I put some more bash bunnies, some screen crabs, uh, some keystroke loggers, uh, OMG cables, um, just different things like that. But yes. Jason, did, did, did someone build that for you or is that something that people can no, buy? I got that off Amazon. It's like. That's amazing. <laughs> most of my once tools. I've seen it for the nefarious purposes. I can't unsee it now for that purpose. <laughs> My whole point is like with, I tell people like I'm not creating these things. I'm usually buying these things generic off of Amazon, Deal Extreme. I got uh, HD recording video glasses, uh, recorder pins, watches. I'm a walking, talking Google streetcar, and it's like I get all these things, <laughs> and it's like, and then Hack Five literally supplies most of my. They're like the cue for me. It's like um, I've got, um, and then OMG. Uh, or MG, who does uh, the OMG cable, one of the scariest devices. It looks like a USB-C charging cable. And mm -hmm. this is one of the things that's like, this is where being a hacker comes in. Anybody can go and buy the cable and say, oh, I'm going to use this cable and try to plug it in and hack. Me, I'm like, I'm going to take a whole bunch of light up keyboards that look really fancy. And I'm going to take out the USB charging cable that comes with it. And I'm going to put an, uh, an OMG cable in it and send it to executives. I'm going mm -hmm. to get my hearing aids that have a USB C charging pack. And I'm going to go up to the receptionist going, 
my hearing aids are going out and I need to be able to charge them. Can I charge them on your machine because it needs low wattage? And they're going to let me plug in my charging oh. thing into their machine where my MG cable goes and destroys them. It's like that. Oh that's what it's about. It's not about the tools. You can buy all the cool tools. You don't need to create the tools. It's how you implement them. It's how you devise wow. ways to utilize them. That's the hacking part of it for me. Wow. Wow. I use yeah, a drone. It's like, what I love is like, everybody talks about hacking with drones. I use a drone to fly into a building, not on a building or around. I literally, the drone is made to crash right around security, right around the lobby door. And what are you okay. going to do? What is a person going to do at 830 at night when that happens around them? They're going to grab the drone going like, someone's filming. Someone's doing nefarious. We got to take it. Let's go in. Let's take this inside. <gasps> There's an oh. SD card. Let's plug this into the computer and see what this is. Oh, no. It's like, and there's two files. A Word doc that says pilot FAA information and, and drone registration number. And then there's a video, you know, the name of the, the, the first video for, for filming. And click one, whichever one, it's not going to work well for you. It's not going to end well. It's like, oh, no. it's like, and I make the human deploy it for me. And the drone is actually the deployment vehicle. That's awesome. This, <laughs> this is the kind of hacking that I need in the 2020s. So I thank you for that. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you enjoy it. It's like, but yeah, it's about <laughs> innovation. That's what we're supposed to be doing, innovating and thinking just different and just how we can do things. Someone else creates wonderful, amazing tools. I just find ways to use them in ways that even they didn't realize it could be used mm -hmm. that way. Yeah, exactly. All right. So next question. What advice would you give to someone living in a metaphorical dumpster fire of their own? Um, I would say one of the best things um, is that no matter one of the things that I try to reassure myself, because it's like I'm not going to give anybody advice that I'm not going to live with is that at the very worst, you remember all those horrible things because you're dwelling on them anyway. It's like, but also remember all those dark paths, all those dark roads that you've gone through and you survived led you to some really great places. And that's one of the things that we have to remember is that if we didn't have those dark paths and those dark places, would we ended up to somewhere where we're at now? And it's like, and so therefore, if we're in another dark path, we've gotten out of it before because we're still on that road and we're not racing anyone. There are people way more successful than me in this industry and at life and just, you know, all over. I don't care. I'm not racing them. I'm not trying to prove myself to them. I've got to race my race. And when I'm at the finish line, ain't nobody there with, with me but me. And I'm not going to look mm -hmm. back on my life if I live to be, you know, 100 years old. <laughs> that ain't happening. It's like, but if I live to be 100 <laughs> years old, it's like, I'm not going to look back and say, I wish I made more money. 
I wish I was more <laughs> successful. It's like, I, yeah. I wish I had a bigger house. No. Was I good? Will people remember me kindly? Did I spread enough ripples of, of positivity? And did my living mean something to others? It's like, that's what I'm going to think about. So you don't think about all the bad things. It's like they're leading you to places that are going to be better. And every, and people have this weird concept about fear. They get so afraid of the future or afraid of changes that are going on. And I have to remind people, because like I'll jump out of a plane. I almost died ping off a cliff in Bulgaria because I don't have that self-preservation thing that you're supposed to have that tells you don't do something. <laughs> I don't have that. It's like, I'm like, if I die, I'm dead. It's like, okay. It's like, so I'm just like, it's not good, honestly. Uh, but the thing is, fear is not meant to stop you from doing things. Fear is never built to stop something from happening. It is just to let you know, to be alert, to be aware. Say, hey, there's something here. Something might be, be careful, be aware. It's not to stop you. Every major wonderful thing happens in my life. It's like has happened through fear. You have to get past that fear for that great thing to happen because that great thing that happens is unknown. And by our default nature in our primal part of our brain, unknown is dangerous. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of humans, as soon as they stepped out of the cave, were eaten. You know, <laughs> unknown is scary. It's like, mm -hmm. so it's like, but those others ventured forth and they went past yes. that fear and they started doing other things and, and creating other things. And so that's what it is. Just sort of just remember, go past that fear. Don't be driven to keep looping back to those pathways that were dark. Remember that it's supposed to be going forward and, and it's going to go somewhere mm -hmm. better. It's like, but those dark roads are necessary. And most of the things that await you that are going to be amazing are going to be going through a doorway of fear that you've got to cross your own self. So those are my advice. Thank you. Yeah. So Jack, what do you think? Do you think he's made our squad? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so Jason, you, you've made <laughs> They our, like me. They really like be, me. You're, you're in for sure. <laughs> and if we kept you out, we're pretty confident you could get in on your own anyway. You'd find a way That's, in. So. <laughs> got a point. <laughs> he ain't wrong. That's a good <laughs> point. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, th Jason, thanks for joining. If our listeners want to connect with you or follow you, what's a way, what's a way they can do that? Um, they can go to uh, jasonestreet.com, uh, J-Y-S-O-N-E-Street.com. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. I don't care what billionaire man baby buys it. It's Twitter. Uh, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm all, I, I, I live tweet my life uh, on Twitter. It's like my personal journal, and it still amazes me. People actually read it. Uh, and I... Um, I'm on LinkedIn. It's like, you know, it, which is really hilarious. I tell people, like, if you want to know how bad my experience on Twitter has been lately, I've been posting more on LinkedIn. If that's not a cry for help, what is? Okay. I mean, seriously. It's like, I, I've literally been, 
<laughs> I've literally been posting more on LinkedIn. It's like, they're getting my selfies now. So you just deal with it, Mr. Executives. Okay. It's like, here's my selfies. <laughs> I feel like poor, poor LinkedIn, like it's, it just takes all this abuse from people, but it's, you know, it's like, Hey, we're here when you need us. When you need exactly. when you need to... And we're even salting our passwords now. <laughs> well, th- thank you very much. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. But first, Kaylee, what did you learn today? I learned that every person was born a hacker, that, you know, where we all start with some measure of innovation and imagination from curiosity as a kid. And we all have the capacity to think about things differently and figure out how to break things that we're not supposed to break. <laughs> I say, I mean, Jason is very well known and very successful. Uh, and, you know, but he, but even he, from what he told us today is still has to be mindful that he's not racing anyone. Right. I thought that motivation motivated for him would be to be the best. Right. But he's doing the best he could. Right. He's doing his own thing. And that's good to hear from somebody who's that successful that you're not racing. And it's very, very hard to remember that. And it's nice to hear from folks who are as successful as he is, that he still reminds himself of that. Uh, and that that gives us all some hope, you know, for how we're going to approach things and just making sure that, you know, Comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah. I like that idea that you're not racing one on this journey. And then when you end it, you're ending it alone. Well, for the entire No Password Required team, I'm Jack Clabby. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to the No Password Required podcast. You can find us on social media at No Password Pod. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the No Password Required podcast. And if you know someone who might like it, Please share it with them. The show is produced by Cyber Florida. And a special thank you goes out to our friends at Carlton Fields. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, cyberflorida.org slash pod. All opinions expressed by the No Password Required podcast participants are their own and do not exclusively represent the views and opinions of Cyber Florida.